Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and Chris Jackson. Um, it is a uh, it is a Monday afternoon. I guess this is what our fourth quarantined episode. We were off last week, so we could put together our all area soccer team. Yes, even though the the season ended uh, earlier than anyone expected, we still uh, are going to soldier on put together our all area team. That'll be out, I guess, in what two weeks or so. Um, yep. So yes, be on the lookout for that. But yes, in the interim, though, um, we are about halfway through our sports year in review series um, and that means taking a look back at the school year that was for all 14 of our markets I believe we've knocked out six of them when we last uh, touched base so we're going to focus on four today and then four next week to close up shop um, let's see for today on the agenda we have Allen we have Flower Mound Frisco and the colony. So we can start off by, uh, you know what, one market that I think we can all kind of tag team a little bit, and that is uh, Frisco. Obviously, the uh, the person who was who lorded over Frisco for all of the uh, the school year, Brian Murphy, he has moved on to greater pastures. In his absence, though, um, we have, let's see, as far as kind of what to make of the, uh, of the year with Frisco, it's like, I mean, there's a million high schools, so it's, it's tough to go, you know, go back and look at like what, um, you know, what each particular school did, um, you know, individually. So I was just thinking as far as kind of like the bullet points, like the things that really kind of jump off the page that you're going to look back on 2019, 2020, and remember, you know, in Frisco ISD athletics. And um, I don't know if, um, you know, if you guys have any others you wanted to add to this, but there were at the very least three that, uh, that immediately jumped to mind. And that was the Lone Star football team, the Liberty Girls basketball team, and then the Reedy uh, distance running phenom, Colleen Stegman. Um, we can start talking. Uh, we can start talking a little bit of football. Um, you know, this was one that was obviously such a uh, a massive subplot in the uh, in the fall with the run that Frisco Lone Star got on, as far as having one of their best seasons ever, spending most of the season ranked number one in the state in Class Five A Division One. And you really kind of think back to uh, to where that all really kind of took off, and it was that uh, I believe it was the third week of the season was that uh, was that highly anticipated game at uh, at Highlander Stadium. When they became the uh, the first team, the first Texas team since what 1998 to hand yes. Highland Park a a home loss, um, and just a, a an incredible performance, a game that in hindsight, I mean, at least to hear you know Brian tell the story, I mean, a game that wasn't all that competitive. I think the final score wound up being something like 30 to 19 something along those lines, but it was a game that Lone Star was very much in control of pretty much from the onset. Marvin Mims, I mean, jeez, what a freaking year for Marvin Mims. One of the one of the all-time great seasons by any wide receiver in high school football history. I mean, the, the national record for, I guess, a single season receiving yardage with, I think, the, let's see, I wrote down, what was it, 2,626 yards? It just doesn't even sound possible, just given that we, even as high octane as the high school game is now is nowadays to get over 2,600 receiving yards in a single season. Is, well, well, and, and also 32 touchdowns. 
So he, he averaged, I mean, in 15 games, he was scoring, you know, more than two touchdowns a game on average, which is, yeah, his, his numbers along, you know, obviously, you know, Garrett Rangel, you got a great uh, young sophomore quarterback throwing the ball to him. But, yeah, Marvin Mims' season this year, as far as wide receivers goes, is going to be one that's going to be talked about for a long time. For sure. And, that's, and that is a crazy subplot, too, because you think back to the start of the season, like they started the year with their backup quarterback. It was supposed to be, what, Chandler Galvan was supposed to be the starter for them, and he has an injury. And so, yeah, they're throwing this little sophomore Garrett Rangel into the fire. Um, having to, you know, take over this this powerhouse program, and he has about as good here as anyone could have expected for a kid his age. Oh um, yeah, he just he he almost threw for five thousand yards and 50, <laughs> and fifty touchdowns. So you know, not not a shabby debut for a for a varsity player. What a what a year! And then they uh, they're able to advance to the uh, to the state semifinals. And just you look at the like the the score of teams that they took down along the way. They played Highland Park again in the uh, in the regional semifinals at AT and T Stadium, which is kind of the home away from home for uh, for Highland Park, with that being the site of many a state championship in recent years for them. And you um, I mean, that game goes to overtime. So obviously, the rematch certainly a much different tone than that preseason meeting back in uh, back in September. Lone Star is able to win that game, and then they go on to uh, to kind of lock down a, a Lancaster team that was just playing outstanding football, especially on the defensive end. And I mean, they just that team had all the confidence in the world. And I mean, we worked with a guy who had all the confidence in the world as far as that team's chances of uh, of winning a state championship and whatnot. And I mean, I still remember. I mean, obviously, you remember Brian had to be at a wedding the weekend of the uh, of. Yeah. The state semifinal game against Denton Ryan, and that uh, certainly drew the ire of some of the folks at the Denton Record Chronicle, who Brian had been getting into a nice little friendly uh, back and forth with on social media and whatnot. But um, but that game then just goes like again, just a one of those weird games where just Lone Star just could not get anything going in their favor. Um, the the Denton Ryan defensive line was just so overwhelming, really kind of set the tone in that one, and they ended up losing 35-7, to seven. Um, a very uncharacteristic end of the season given the way that Lone Star had been playing. Still, though, you go 14-1, and one, you know, I guess the second longest, uh, the second deepest playoff run in program history, only trumped by, I guess, the 2015 team that went to the state title game. Still an incredible season, um, and obviously still a, pl- a plenty of promising foundation to build on for what's been kind of the, uh, you know, the benchmark for Frisco ISD football. Um, and then you had obviously what happened on the girls' basketball court with Liberty, which was able to uh, make amends from last season after they were the state runner-up, and um, and they won their first ever state championship. And you know when you hear that, you're probably thinking like, okay, so it was a team that you know just kind of you know banded together and took the uh, the experience from last season that they gained, and you know really kind of built off of that. No, no, they graduated 80% of their roster from last season. <laughs> this team had two kids coming back, uh, Jazzy Owens, Barnett, and Maya Jane, everyone else was gone. So, I mean, yeah, you kind of throw last year as far as what the team accomplished kind of out the window in that respect. Um, But nevertheless, though, like, even though the roster was completely different, that system of theirs never changed. And it was still a team that really hung its hat on playing this grinding brand of defense. You really got to see Jazzy Owens Barnett, you know, just a sophomore. I mean, develop into one of the uh, one of the premier players in the state. Really kind of put that thing on her back and was able to carry them into a, uh, you know, through a, a district schedule that was a little up and down. It wasn't a team that I recall having a whole lot of fanfare statewide when the postseason began. I mean, I mean, I was looking back over their schedule. They lost their last game of the regular season 33-28 against, uh, against Lone Star. 
Um, but then, I mean, just everything fell into place. I mean, they were just so incredible in terms of their like late game execution in the playoffs. If you look at um, you know, their games, the four games they played in rounds three through six, those four games were decided by a combined 15 points. I mean, and then including, and, and how many overtimes? There was, I know, the one against was because, it, because you, I mean, you know, they beat, they played Centennial in the quarterfinals. Uh, you know, a district rival, mm-hmm. you know, 32 to 31. But yeah. that score right there just kind of tells you, you know, the type of game that they that they play. But, you know, College Station went to overtime. Midlothian went to three overtimes. But, you know, you talked about their late game execution. They found a way, yeah. you know, to win those games. And then obviously, you know, in a very typical Liberty score, you score in, the, in the championship game against Betson's Memorial, 35-26. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you hold your opponent to 26 points, you're going to win most times. It's crazy because look at that game too. But you look at that game too. They give up 11 points in that first quarter. Veterans Memorial goes on a nine to nothing run to end that. The rest of that game, how many points did Veterans Memorial score? They finished with 20. They had 14 points over the last three quarters combined. Goodness. That was because uh, I went back just to check. Because I mean, yeah, you see any team hold anyone in the playoffs to 26 points? You're wondering where that stacks up as far as their total body of work. That didn't. They had 11 games where they held opponents to 25 points or less. I mean, this was this was an elite defensive team. So this one oh, didn't even. It didn't even crack the top 10, but you know, when you factor in the caliber of opponents and the stage of the season, there's a case to be made that that was their best defensive performance of the season, all things considered. Um, Chris, you, you, know, had defense, you had that defense, but you also had in those playoff games the state semis. Lily, I'm, it's hard to say her last name. Zimkowicz, I want to say. You can correct me if I'm wrong, at least something like that. Lily Z. Yeah, Lily Z. We'll just call her Lily Z, but a great score. Comes in that state semifinals game. She has a big game there, double digits that game. In that championship game, obviously, Jazzy Owens Barnett, one of the best young players in the state. You can make the case she might even be. We just don't know yet how the next two years will go. But the way she played in that championship game, it was just – you had that defense, but it was just every game you'd have someone would find a way to step up offensively, and they would get the job done. And it's just – you're going to need those kind of performances if you want to win a state title in Texas, and they did. And that's crazy, too, because you go back – I think I was telling Matt before we came on the podcast, it was Ross Rudy after the game. You talked about kind of the up and down district season, pre-district, losing to Duncanville. Anyone would probably, could probably lose to Duncanville, obviously, with how good they are. But they Most lost teams to Duncanville did. by 40 points. Yeah, they lost to Duncanville by 40 points. And he says in the press conference after they win state, that's on y'all. But <laughs> bounce back from some of these really big losses early on to really great teams and then go on a state run is – Incredible, especially considering what Matt said, how much they lost just from last year's team that made it that far. It's wild because you just don't see, I mean, you just don't see programs that do that having to reload to the extent that they did after coming so close the year prior and losing all of that senior leadership and having to basically throw a team with a a completely different level of expectations into the fire like that. And then somehow being able to get over the hump, it's just, it's wild that this was the Liberty team that did it as close as that program has been in, um, you know, in years past. Um, so, yeah, obviously Lone Star football, Liberty Girls basketball immediately jumped to mind. And then uh, Colleen Stegman and the job that she did in the fall in cross country, winning the Class 5A state championship, uh, dethroning longtime, uh, longtime state uh, queen pin to say uh, McKinney North's London Culbreth, who, um, you know, had the, uh, the first time in her, uh, her distance running career at the high school level that she has not won a state championship. Um, but, yes, I mean, Stegman – 
She, um, I mean, she ran I have a right here at 17, 17, one. She went on to be named the Gatorade Texas cross country runner of the year. Um, I mean, so just a, just a, a dominant season for her. And you kind of got, got a sense last spring, especially in track, how close she was to potentially maybe taking that throne from London Colbreth with them as close as those two were in the 3200 and the 1600. Um, and it's a shame that, you know, we didn't really get to see the, I guess the end of that, uh, of that high school rivalry get to, you know, materialized in the spring with, again, as decorated as those two athletes are at the 5A level, hands down the two best distance runners that classification has. Because, you know, with London, you heard that there might have been an injury that was kind of holding her back and that her training might have been kind of off. It just sounds like a very unconventional fall for her. Um, so perhaps, you know, with kind of, kind of getting things right there, that perhaps you get a, a different product there in the spring for track. And it would have just been fun to see those two just throw down just a few more times with as much as they've accomplished. Um, but yes, Colleen Stegman, obviously a, a, a massive, massive milestone winning a state championship in the fall. Um, and she'll be back, won't she? Oh, yeah. I think she's still got one year she's, left. She's junior, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so love is moving on to the college level so they can – uh, postpone their college duels for a year because Colleen still has more history to write at, at the high right. school level, hopefully. Yeah, she's <laughs> probably a pretty decisive favorite to, to have some success next season as a, uh, as a senior. And then there was one other team that I think kind of fell, uh, kind of slipped beneath the cracks, and it's just when you don't win a championship or don't make a, a massive playoff run, this is just kind of what happens. But, like, we're going to get to Allen in a bit, and one of the things we're going to talk about is Lovejoy Volleyball. And it's like you look at what Lovejoy Volleyball accomplished, but then you look at the team that gave them their toughest test of the postseason. And the Liberty Volleyball team was on a roll last season. And they played um, – them and Lovejoy played in the regional quarterfinals. And in hindsight, you can make a case that, you know, wherever Liberty was ranked at the time, that, that was probably maybe a tad too low considering how well they played Lovejoy relative to how the rest of the state just got – absolutely trucked by Lovejoy. And a lot of that was because Liberty had maybe the best volleyball player in the history of Frisco ISD in Jenna Wenis, who was just an absolute machine all season long. She was, I mean, she had 27 kills in that match against Lovejoy, which is one of the best defensive teams in the state, bar none. And they were, you know, they took them to five sets. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, that, that game four was probably the, the set of the year in oh. volleyball. The 34-32. Yeah. And that was probably the set. I mean, but when you take into account those two teams and that level of play and, you know, the fact that it goes 34-32, it's, it's pretty incredible. So, yeah, like in hindsight, that Liberty Volleyball team, like it's – I don't know if they'll, uh, if they'll get the love that they should, but, I mean, if when you look at just how incredible, um, you know, Lovejoy was against everybody else, I mean, that it really does shine a light on how special that Lady Red Hawks team was. Um, so let's see, that was, um, yeah, that's a look at just some, uh, some notable takeaways from the year that was for Frisco ISD. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll well, show and, up. And real, real quick on Frisco before we go away, because, and again, this is stuff that uh, we didn't get to see play out, but oh, uh, yeah. soccer, a lot of the regular season was in the books, and that's going to be a big what might have been, because, you know, you look at the girls' side, you look at the state rankings, you had Independence at number one, you know, Lebanon Trail at number three. Memorial at four, Wakeland at five, Liberty at nine. You had five teams in the top, t you know, top ten mm -hmm. uh, there, and of course, you know, the first Wakeland boys uh, coming off four straight tri uh, trips to the state championship match, uh, two championships in 2017 and 2018. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be telling these what might have been stories for a long time, but especially in soccer, I think more so than baseball and softball because so much had been played. I mean, mm -hmm. they were going into the last week of the regular season. And especially the pedigree that some of those Frisco programs have, 
uh, particularly the Wakeland boys. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's another tough chapter, you know, in just this whole episode. Yeah, a chance to potentially see the Independence girls get their redemption against Highland Park. You know, that goes by the wayside. And then for the Wakeland boys, I remember looking up that if they were to win state this year, I think that would have actually tied them like number two all time as far as boys soccer UIL state championships. So they had some history on the line this season that they'll have to try to, uh, you know, take another stab at next year. But yeah, they were on the short list of teams that got through the regular season undefeated. I mean, so it just shows that, I mean, yeah, that program was set up to do more great things come postseason time. Uh, let's see. Let's shift gears and let's talk a little bit about the colony. Let's see, Chris. One of the- I mean, you look at it. They had a great sports year. It's pretty much every team that had a chance to be in the playoffs qualified. Obviously, spring sports, we wouldn't know, but you'd like to think the way baseball was playing in pre-district, the way they had a lot of seniors playing there, they could have made a run to the playoffs. Obviously, softball, we'll get into them later, but we obviously know Jada Coleman, that senior class. Yeah. But you look at football, and it, but just all across the board, this remarkable senior class they had, they said broke all these school records for scholarships, scholarship money, Football senior class alone, they had a Fab Five. They had all these guys like Keith Miller, a two-sports star. We'll talk about him in basketball in a minute, too. But a great receiver going to go to Colorado. You've got Christian Gonzalez, a four-star safety going to Colorado. Mikey Harrington, the quarterback, going to play college football as well. Marcus Moore going to Louisiana Monroe. And then Miles Price is going to Texas Tech. And Coach Rudy Renhow told me you should expect him to be a Heisman guy in three years in I didn't get to watch Miles in the in the fall, but watching his highlights, I see. Oh, he was great! Yeah, yeah. I see some tape on in him. There's there's definitely kind of resemblance there. With football, obviously, they make the playoffs eight and three, a top loss in that first round, and by district, you go to all those guys. They're they're going to be losing a lot of guys on that football team, but they really like this freshman and sophomore classes they have rolling up. They're already doing great things. Obviously, before the school year kind of shut down, mm-hmm. great things training wise in spring football in the weight room, kind of inching your records and there's young guys boys basketball another playoff appearance under Cleve Ryan their third straight tied for second in district 858 but they got the fourth seed officially they have a two-point loss to one seed Colleyville Heritage in the first round another kind of playoff season there but then they're going to lose Keith Miller and then you've got Michael King just committed to your college as well just kind of a transfer from Plano West and then but you lose those guys but again You've got Tame Mosters, a three-star basketball recruit. Z1 offers keep coming in, it seems like, every week for him. Caden Scalafani, good shooter as well. So they mm-hmm. like they like to think their playoff chances are good. Then girls basketball, I know anyone can attest to with this last four-year run they had with Tamia Jones and Jewel Spears. Remarkable. They made it to the third round every year. This round they did that again. Made it to regional semis twice. The first ever undefeated district season in 2017 with those two girls. When they came in, they said, they were going to change the complexion of that gym in the record books. I mean, you make it four times in the third round, you definitely change history there. It's going to be tough to lose those girls because you saw they, they scored so many points and bulk of those points. And Timia Jones was a remarkable defender, the district defensive MVP. And that, Joel Spear, one of the best scorers in all of America, going to Wake Forest, the number 82 recruit in the country, Timia Jones going to SMU, like I said. Mm-hmm. Now you gotta now you gotta step up for those girls next year. There's one they still do return three of their five starters. Now it's just a matter of who's gonna really step up and take the reins. You'd like to think Araya Cotto is gonna do something like that. Because behind Jewel and Tamia, it was always she was always scoring mm-hmm. nine, ten, twelve. She had fifteen in the playoffs at one point. It's gonna be a different look for the colony girls basketball the next few years, but 
they still like what they have coming back, but obviously, you know, there's no way you can just fill in for a Tamia Jones and a Jewel Spear and be like those two girls because it's rare that you get two seniors that good at the same time. Then their soccer teams, it's almost another what could have been. Boys soccer lost three district superlative winners, four of their seniors last year combined for 44 goals, second place in the district. There's even Coach Weddle told me on paper, if you look at it, there's no way they should have been in the playoffs. They just kind of resurrect their season in the second half. And Coach Weddle's not a defensive coach. And they became a defensive team there the second half of the season. A couple of one nothing wins to end that year. They were they weren't an offensive powerhouse by any means, but they would nullify your opponent's strengths. They mm-hmm. clinched another playoff spot there, kind of remarkable how they did that. Girls soccer under Tommy Ray, another soccer team that made they qualified for a playoffs for a third straight year. They keep climbing under him. And that was really one where you're thinking, what could they have done? Because anytime I talked to Coach Ray, it was always, this is the perfect team. Because you had that, you know how important senior leadership is. The college level, especially the high school level, they had four seniors they really loved. One of them was hurt for a long time, but he raved about all of them and what they all did. And they had a really great young crop of talent, freshmen and sophomores, just seemingly scoring at will, a young goalie. You'd like to think they could have gotten a couple rounds deep, especially when you look at their playoff matchups. You had to think that was definitely going to be in their favor. And then mm-hmm. you go to the spring sports baseball, like I said, played well. So they had some of the best players in the state. Stat-wise, two different kids finished them on the top 100 in the state in 5A stats, one of them top 10 in batting average. And then softball, I think mm-hmm. we all know. What could have been? What could have been there? What could have been there? Jada Coleman, first time pitching since he was – eight years old, goes in with a 12-0 record on the mound, 0.7 ERA, 42 stolen bases this year, and they only played one district game, if you put that in perspective, over a 700 batting average. You had her, J.C. Hamlin, Jody Duncan. You had to think this team had the looks of another state title like they won in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you think that – I mean, Jada Coleman just deserves, like, one of those players on that short list of players who just deserves a better finality to their high school career than, than this. I mean, with the, the history that she was chasing as far as being in contention for, like, national records and whatnot, and just, I mean, oh, seriously, just on that short list of, like, the best hitters that the Dallas area has ever seen in high school softball. And, I mean, yeah, I just, like – I just remember back when she was, like, a freshman and Justin Thomas, you know, your, uh, your predecessor, just when he would be reading off just some of the stats that she was putting up – all the way back then as a freshman. I mean, it just didn't seem possible <laughs> a player would be capable of that, of that sort of production. Um, but yeah, I mean, she just kept on getting better and better and better. And of course, she is an incredible pitcher. Of course. Um, right. So, what would she have done as a pitcher if she had pitched all these years as well? I know. Yeah. Like she, she was a young elementary schooler and she's 12 and out and not even giving up a run per start. Like, what could she have done if she was a pitcher and hitter at the same time for these last? Ten years, it's an athlete like her is so rare to find. Oh yeah, it's it's a once in a generation type, and yeah, I mean, like you just said, this was, I mean, this was probably just pound for pound the most talented athletic class that the colony has ever had. So, I mean, whether or not it's you know it's just a sign of things to come as far as the sort of talent that that area has uh, has coming aboard. Um, we'll uh, we'll see, but um, but yes, a, a nice a nice little year for the colony all around. Um, let's see. Um, 
let's talk a little flower mound, which was, um, I'd say as far as pound for pound schools that had, I mean, which school last year had more success than flower mound high school. I mean, uh, the joke was uh, coining it the year of the Jaguar with, I mean, uh, just the multiple state titles and just all around success like that high school had never experienced. So how are they going to build off of that? Um, they were able to make the playoffs pretty consistently in everything. Um, as far as the fall sports go, the volleyball team was ranked number one in the state for a good chunk of the season. They were able to go undefeated in district and then they went on. We all knew it was going to come down to them and Byron Nelson in the third round, just like it did last year. And the winner of that match was probably headed to state and could very well be the front runner to win a state title. Um, Byron Nelson did exact some revenge though on Flower Mound. They won that match in four sets in a was probably just pound for pound. I mean, maybe the best atmosphere I've ever been a part of as far as a high school volleyball match goes. I mean, those, those two communities just showed out for that one. It was, um, it was a blast to be a part of. I had to stand on the baseline and do all my reporting and recording during that because there just wasn't a seat in the stands for anybody. Um, it was, um, yeah, it was a wild, wild atmosphere. They still had a great year, and they're, they're going to be great next year, too. They still have Kaylee Cox, Angelique Sear coming back. Um, they're, um, they do lose Sarah Martinez. They're star libero. So, um, otherwise, though, that's still a program that's primed for some, some pretty, pretty good stuff you know, heading into next season. Uh, the football team, they were able to actually win their first ever playoff game. And they did so in pretty uh, pretty dramatic fashion. It was um, with 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter that they scored on a, uh, a short little touchdown pass from Blake Short to Reed Touchstone and were able to beat, uh, let's see, I want to say it was Keller, 31-30. Uh, to 30. Um, you know, just again, a solid year for the, uh, for the Jaguars, but I mean, obviously the story of, you know, Flower Mount area football in 2019 was Marcus and uh, the Marauders having their, uh, their best season since the mid nineties, you know, they were able to go three rounds deep. They won a district title, all sorts of just clutch heroics, winning multiple overtime games. Um, they just had a knack for, uh, for again, making plays when it mattered very, uh, Liberty girls basketball esque. Um, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer, their star quarterback recently committed to LSU. He's on pace to, to just to rewrite the record books for Marcus quarterbacks. Um, then, you know, I mean, you had just such a dynamic offense surrounding them with, you know, Tyson Edwards and all area selection of ours, uh, J. Michael Sturdivant, who was a move in, he just dominated this as a deep threat for them and a nice well-rounded defense with lots of solid senior leadership. That was a team that, um, that really did look the part of one of the better ones in the area and a team that's probably poised to do some pretty similar, similarly, uh, big things this, uh, this fall. Um, as far as what happened in basketball, um, you know, both the boys and the girls at Flower Mount High made the playoffs. The Marcus boys were able to make the playoffs, um, you know, going right down to the wire, a team that was kind of thought to maybe be a little bit on the outside looking at the start of district. And then they um, – they scored a number of, uh, of upset victories to just wedge their way in at the, uh, at the last minute. Um, you know, the Flower Mound boys, though, they were able to win their uh, just, I believe, the second playoff game in their history. Um, and they did so with um, just a just a fun to watch, just high IQ brand of basketball, just dead eye three point shooters. They played at a lightning fast tempo. It was a, it was a fun team to watch. Um, you know, but they were able to have some success. It was a really loaded competitive district 6-6A that had four or five teams that were all in contention for a district championship. Um, you know, and then as far as um, the girls, I mean, the girls, um, you know, they um, they finished second in the district. They um, were in the position to win a district title. And then Robert MacArthur had one of the best teams in the state. They were able to get their, to get their act together. They got, you know, back to full strength for the second half of district, and they kind of dominated. Um, as far as, though, the biggest story, though, for Flower Mountain girls basketball, um, actually Actually came, I guess, um, away from the program in a different respect because um, obviously the most prestigious player to ever pass through that program, Lauren Cox, 
had some uh, some nice little uh, personal history um, just I believe last month and she was the third overall pick in the WNBA draft uh, selected by the Indiana Fever. Um, so obviously a very nice little moment for the uh, Flyer Mountain Girls basketball program seeing Lauren Cox and all of her hard work get to um you know, get to realize her, her professional basketball dream. Um, and then as far as kind of as we've, <clears throat> as we've alluded to with uh, just what could have been, I mean, right in that same vein as the Wakeland boys soccer team, the Flower Mountain girls, I mean, a team that was undefeated when the season was canceled, a defense that had allowed four goals all season long. Um, I mean, a team that was certainly poised to do some pretty big things in the postseason. They were ranked number one in the, uh, in their region, I believe number one or number two in the state, depending on which poll you checked. And then um, I do kind of feel like we missed out on some pretty, pretty fun action as far as the stick and ball sports go with both Flyer Mount and Marcus uh, in both baseball and softball in position to uh, potentially win a district title and, you know, produce some pretty, pretty fun uh, fireworks between those two programs. Um, let's see. So that is a look at Flyer Mount. I don't know how I'm going to make it through Allen. I'm already running out of breath. <laughs> So let's see. Um, let's see. Yeah, to round this thing out, to look at um, at the year that was for Allen. Um, let's start with the good. Um, let's start with what. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's been it has been death taxes in this program, just absolutely dominating every crevice of its sport for the last now decade plus. Um, the Allen wrestling program did not slow down. The an uh, eleventh consecutive state championship. For my money, like. Regardless of sport, it is the greatest dynasty in Texas high school athletics. And that might sound like hyperbole. It's not. Like, imagine if, like, if there's anything to compare it to. Like, I always think if the, if it's the equivalent of, like, if Allen's football team, you know, with the, the stature that they have, if Allen's football team won 11 consecutive state championships and every playoff game that they had, they won by 35 points. I mean, it's just, it's that level of dominance. The fact that Allen's wrestling program has, again, for as long as they have, the fact that they continue to win by the margins that they do to where there's not another, it's not another program in the state that can even compete with them at the moment. Like you look at them um, at the state meet, they've, um, I mean, they've, they've set every conceivable record that you can at the state meet, but they were able to rake up uh, 203.5 points this season. That was more than the combined total of second place and third place. I mean, there's, there's nobody in the ballpark of them. What, what percentage of high schools would you say have wrestling programs? Because of the nine, school, or the nine schools that I primarily cover, I don't have any wrestling programs. And these are big schools. These are the Mesquites and the Rylettes and Saxe and whatnot. I, I don't have any wrestling programs. That is so I'm just curious. It's, I mean, obviously, their dominant speaks for itself. But yeah. I, I was kind of curious to see if you had a, an idea how many – what percentage of high schools at the 6A level have um, wrestling I know, programs. I know. I mean, there's only two classifications, you know. So that's – I mean, it's just a 6A and a 5A. So it's kind of like, you know, some of the other solo sports in that respect. I am surprised, though, that none of the East Dallas County stuff that you cover has just anything wrestling-related. I know that nothing, nothing even like – like the, does. Okay. Nothing like even with the uh, like with the swim programs where it's just like a Garland ISD swim team or something like that or. Yeah, I, I mean Mesquite ISD has one swimming coach for all five. I mean yeah. every athlete represents their own school, but uh, they all they, there's not enough athletes that are swimmers to mm -hmm. hire a coach for you know each school. Um, Rowlett and Saxe don't even have swimming teams. Um, now, granted, they're 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 supposed to complete the datatorium out in GISD, which they're mm -hmm. hoping will, uh, you know, pump up some interest in the sport. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's certain sports, wrestling being one of them, that still kind of qualify to me as kind of niche sports because it's usually the more um, 
affluent high schools that have them. And usually when they have those programs, a lot of people flock there. So there's a lot of interest. Yeah, because Allen, just the job that they've done, and it's, I mean, it's a program that really is like the definition of a feeder system. Like a lot of these kids, when they get to, uh, you know, the varsity level, it's not like they're just picking up the sport for the first time. They've been wrestling for years. So they're already primed and ready to go. And yeah, it's just the, and that's the thing that's just kept this machine going is that you look at the kids that, uh, you know, that won state titles for them this year, the kids that placed prominently in that lineup. And like the majority of their lineup is always coming back. It's never a program that has to worry about this mass exodus of seniors and there's nothing left in the, uh, in the tanks. They do such a good job of getting those younger kids primed and ready to contribute. And it's led to, I mean, just an, an incredible run. I mean, it's again, there's really no sign of it slowing down anytime soon. It's again, just a question as to what, as to how much greater the heights that this program can go to are. Because, like I said, there's, I mean, this, listen, there's teams around the state that can beat them, like in Oklahoma and whatnot, and in the, you know, the Midwest and whatnot. But, I mean, as far as Texas goes, there's, there's, no, there's no comparison. They're without peer. It's, it's incredible just how dominant they've been all this time. Um, and then you, you look elsewhere, though, and, you know, and in some of the other sports, like your footballs and your boys' basketballs, it was teams that had really, really grand expectations and, and for the regular season looked the part. But I think, obviously, you'd have to look back in hindsight, though, and say that they left a little bit of meat on the bone once you got to, you know, once you got to the postseason. Um, you know, with the football team, I mean, they're – they're they're approaching. I uh, I think they're within earshot and might have a chance actually this upcoming season to set the state record for the longest regular season winning streak. They've not lost a regular season game since what September twenty eighth of two thousand and twelve was that Capel game. Um, and yeah, I know. And, and they don't shy away from people. You know, it's not like they're you know lining up a bunch of you know lame ducks in the non district. They're playing heavyweights every year. Oh yeah, they played. Uh, they played two teams that finished their non-district schedule was two teams that I believe finished the year ranked in the state's top fifteen or so in a Cedar uh, Cedar Hill. Did they start against Cedar Hill? I forget. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, yeah, they did. I forget. Um, and then Dickinson in week two. Um, and yeah, but then they went on to have again a, uh, another undefeated season. That's uh, let's see, what did I write down? It's eighth consecutive perfect season that they've had. Didn't meet a ton of resistance along the way. Um, but then in the second round, they drew Rockwall, which was that team that you, know, you think last year in the area round, how great a game that was when Rockwall, who, again, didn't have anywhere near the fanfare that Allen did, but they have a transcendent wide receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba and some terrific talent at the other skill positions. And they were one of the few teams in the state that could score just touchdown for touchdown with Allen. And they gave them a heck of a game last year. And the pieces were kind of in place for where, like, you know, there was a lot of talk that this could be a potential upset if those two teams rematched. And I did not get to see this game uh, firsthand. This was uh, – I, I was – I was uh, on state volleyball duty this uh, this afternoon covering Lovejoy and Plano West. Um, but it sounds like that game against Rockwell was, I mean, it was on the short list of the best playoff games all, all postseason. You know, it was actually that. And then I think the next day was when you had that crazy Geyer-Cedar Hill game where Geyer staged that just incredible comeback. Um, those two games, I mean, arguably the two best of the entire postseason. Um, but then you had Allen, though, and Rockwall, which, I mean, the, what was the final score? I had it, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, what did I miss it? Oh, yeah, 60 to 59. Sorry, I lost in the yeah. text there. And, and I, I'm trying to remember if I picked Rockwell to pull that off in our picket line. Because I, I, I remember talking and said, never count a Rodney Webb team out. I know. And, and especially with Jackson Smith and Ndigba, uh, you know, who is maybe – I'd have to go back to my memory bank. But, you know, short-term memory is the best receiver I've seen at the high school level. 
I, I, would, I know we just heaped a whole lot of praise at the start of this on Marvin Mims, but yes, the level of dominance that Jackson Smith and Jigba showed is, is something else in its, uh, in its own right. And I think he had, what, four touchdowns in the first quarter alone of this game against <laughs> Allen? Chris, <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he was, he was unstoppable. He had like a one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. Just, it was just, I mean, it was just, a, he was a walking highlight reel that game. They had no answer for him, but, um, but then it comes down to the very, very end. They score a touchdown to tie it up and then they go for two points. Again, like the requisite chances that you have to take. And if you're going to beat a team like Allen in the postseason, and Rodney Webb has just that perfect level of crazy to where he's willing to throw it out when he has to. And it was um, just a, a wild play that ends up with, it wasn't even the quarterback that is throwing the pass it was like an, it was like an end around like kind of like the yeah I, I believe so it was like an end around that leads to a uh, to a contested catch in the end zone it was um yeah just a, a wild sequence that puts him up by one point and then Allen gets I think they were just about to get past midfield or whatnot and uh Raylan Sharp their quarterback he gets stopped on fourth down just a couple yards shy of the uh, of the line and yeah and Rockwall scores uh an incredible, incredible victory. Um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, Raylan Sharp, who uh, wound up winning a district MVP in 9-6-A, um, you really got to see, like, you know, Chris, we've talked about the, uh, you know, if I look behind those posters of yours, the, uh, the 2016 NBA Finals, we've talked about those a time or two in your tenure here. And in Game 7, like, you know, everybody remembers the LeBron block and the Kyrie shot, but people, like, kind of forget how incredible Draymond Green played in defeat. Oh, exactly. Draymond was going to be the MVP of that series. They win that game. It's not even a question. It's, it's just crazy in hindsight because when you have performances that don't end in victory, how it just kind of like, it just kind of, it's, it's just a footnote in that respect. And Raylan Sharp in defeat in that game, he totaled 571 yards and six touchdowns. Just an outstanding game for that kid to go out on. But again, like it's just, you know, Rockwall won and they got to the state semifinals. So again, it just kind of gets lost in history there. But um, absolutely going out on his shield in that respect. Um, but then you had like the boys basketball team. They won their first outright district title since 1992. They ran the table in 9-6-A. And I mean, for the second straight year, had one of their greatest regular seasons ever. And then for the second straight year, that second round of the playoffs snuck up on them. And then this time it was Waco Midway that did Allen in with a, a premature exit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for the second straight year, that team, which, you know, looked like heading into the playoffs, you know, a team that, you know, very well could be, you know, playing in the regional tournament. And then I believe they were ranked, uh, you know, top five in the state each of these past two years and then upset in the second round. It just – just goes to show, man. You just, you never know. Like, again, the, and this was like two years removed from them winning a state championship. You just never know when everything is going to fall into place. Um, and when just, you know, just, uh, again, you just catch a, catch a team on the, uh, on a hot night and you just don't have it. And Allen's, uh, Allen's team was centered around three, uh, you know, three stars with uh, Manny Obaseki and Bryce Kennedy and Thailand Elder. And, you know, those three, as consistent as they've been all season, they were just, just basically a gear short in that second round matchup against uh, Waco Midway. Um, you know, just about, you know, 13 to 15 points, which is a step down from the usual 18 to 22 that those two are usually capable, those three are usually capable of. Um, and then you had like the, uh, you know, the girls basketball team, which ran the table for the first half of district play. Then they went one and five over the second half and you know, tailspin their way into fourth place and ended up drawing a, a surging Saxy team in the, uh, in the first round. And they ended up going one and done one year after making it to the state tournament. Um, 
And then the boys' basketball team gets the news just a couple weeks ago that Mandy Obaseki's transferring to John Paul II, and all of a sudden now it's uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so a strange year and uh, all things considered for their uh, for the two basketball programs. Um, with soccer, I mean, the boys were in position to repeat as district champions. The girls had one loss on their record when the season was canceled. So I mean, these are two teams that made it to the regional tournament last year, and you know who knows how uh, you know how long until you run into a you know a team like a Prosper or any of those teams over in East Texas. So uh, Van, the, the Vandegrift down south or whatnot. I mean, so it's, you know, who knows what the postseason run would have looked like for either, but definitely teams that, that had positioned themselves at least to have a bit of success there in the playoffs. Um, and then with, um, with Lovejoy, I guess, to, uh, to wrap up the, uh, to wrap this thing up here, um, you know, the, uh, the volleyball team, they, as we've talked about earlier on in the Frisco portion, uh, Lovejoy volleyball was back on the yeah, mountain. Speaking of dynasties. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to take a stab at the, uh, I mean, at the state tournament streak that Lovejoy is on. They made it to the state tournament for the twelfth time, for the tenth time in twelve years. This, I mean, yeah, just an absurd level of dominance for that program, and they're able to hoist the trophy for the uh, for the seventh time. Uh, it was the first year back as head coach for Ryan Mitchell, who all he knows are state championships at Lovejoy. He was the one who authored the dynasty <laughs> way back when that program was first getting going, and. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a unique team in, one, in the sense that it was one that didn't really carry much in terms of really grand expectations into the season, just because of the class that they had graduated from the year before. And a lot of these kids were, um, you know, are going to be back next season. A lot of that core with Cecily Bramschreiber, who was named the MVP of the state tournaments, one of the best outside hitters in Texas, um, and you know, Lexi Collins, Avery Carlson, their star setter, uh, Callie Kamoa, transfer from Allen, who just slid right in, was one of the stalwarts of that uh, that great defense of theirs. Um, I mean, it's they're they're going to be back with a vengeance next season and looking to build off of this uh, this uh, this dominant run. I mean, I, again, we talked about just the job that uh, Liberty did pushing them to the brink in the third round, and then you look in hindsight, like then, look what they did in the state championship match against Canyon Randall, who was number two in the state. Lovejoy was number one, so you're thinking we're just we're setting up for just this thrilling finale to the season, and Lovejoy just sweeps them, and it's not even like competitive down the stretch. Like they were just. In this, they just they made short work of everybody outside of Liberty in the postseason, and yeah, they're back on the mountaintop once again for the seventh time in their program's history. And then you had what happened over in cross country, and this was certainly a, a surprise at the time. With seeing, uh, as I roll out to the district meet, already to write my story on. Let's see how many minutes is London Culbert going to win by this year and whatnot. And then, uh, sure enough, Lovejoy has this little freshman, Amy Moorefield who hands London her first ever postseason loss in UIL high school competition. And there's the, uh, there's the photo of um, that I believe one of the team photographers got as, um, as they're just there is just a few minutes into the race, but they're rounding one of the stretches in London and Amy are going, you know, stride for stride. And then the, uh, you know, it was the Lovejoy photographer, you know, clearly Amy knew the photographer. So there's a photo of her just smiling as she's running in stride and London's just got this really dead eyed focused look and Amy just having the time of her life out there just running and, you know, trying to match wits with the, uh, you know, one of the greatest distance runners in the history of the, of the, of the sport in the UIL and uh, she ends up winning that race going away hands London a, a surprising loss there and you know I mean Amy Wolfield dominates the the uh, the the 10 uh, 5a cross-country meet she then goes on to finish third at state only a freshman too so I mean again when Colleen Stegman goes off and graduates this could very well be the uh, the next in line to uh, you know to take that uh, that cross-country uh, and track throne for that matter as far as the distance events go so yeah whoo I need some water. Deep breath. I know, man. That's a lot. I should have I should have segmented this out better to where I don't have to do my two ones back to back like this. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh boy. Let's see. Um, so yeah, that's a, that is a look at, I guess, four more, uh, four more markets. We are down to, I guess the final four. We'll touch on those next week and close up shop here. Um, let's see. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the star local media high school sports podcast. Um, Chris, Devin, appreciate you guys for tagging along. Um, folks, hope you all are uh, staying safe. We'll be back at it next week to uh, do this exercise one more time and close this thing out. So until then, folks, enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.